This is the God in All Things podcast, rooted in Ignatian spirituality and seeking the presence of God in the everyday. I recently hosted a Facebook Live event for the release of my new book, God Moments, Unexpected Encounters in the Ordinary. I answered questions about the book, finding God in the everyday, discernment, scrupulosity, turning off the noise, and Disney, among other things. If you weren't able to catch it, then keep listening. Also, make sure you subscribe to the God in All Things Facebook page for more on God moments and other Ignatian goodness. All right, here's the Ask Me Anything Facebook event. So I figure uh, let's uh, start um, with uh, maybe an Ignatian prayer of gratitude. Uh, Let's just acknowledge that we're in God's presence right now, uh, this morning, whatever we're doing, um, and that we can find that presence of God as we move throughout our day. And let's also consider one thing that I'm grateful for right now at this moment. Amen. Um, So let me just tell you a little bit about the structure of my book, God Moments. Um, I structure it in four different parts, four chapters. Um, Each chapter begins with awareness, then it goes to prayer and spiritual practices, discernment, and then wholeness. And sort of each chapter is a foundation for the next one, Um, similar to the spiritual exercises where you begin with an awareness of God's love and our and our brokenness, and then moving on to praying with Jesus's life, and then discerning our response to that prayer, that experience of prayer, and then concluding the exercises in the wholeness of God's love. Um, so the, the book is sort of structured uh, in a way that's practical, um, that is accessible, and um, kind of a a structure for Christian life. You can't reach uh, Christian wholeness in God if you aren't first aware of the love that God has for you uh, and the way that God, in Ignatius's words, labors for you. Um, So that's really important. Um, The other thing is um, discernment. I spend a good uh, amount of time on talking about discernment in the book because uh, the way we give God flesh in the world and kind of make God incarnate in the world is often through our decisions and our choices, Um, especially if we're going about them, going about a discernment in a really intentional way, uh, sort of in concert with with God's desires. Um, And we need to have the ability and the understanding of prayer in order to make good discerning choices. Let's see. Still waiting for some questions from from all of you, but please send them in. Um, Let's start with a question that I got. What uh, made me decide to start my blog, God and All Things, which many of you um, read or read and follow, and it's also a podcast as well. Um, Well, I was in the Jesuits for uh, two and a half years. Um, I can talk a little bit later about that discernment process, Um, but I essentially had a desire for for marriage discerned to leave the the Society of Jesus, Uh, but I was so steeped in Ignatian spirituality and ministry that I wanted to continue that in some way. So I decided to, and this is a couple weeks actually, a few weeks after I left the Jesuits, I started the blog God and All Things. So it's been going about five years now, which is pretty amazing. 
uh, and then it turned into a podcast, and then I added a uh, resource website where you can purchase and download resources, ignatianresources.com. Um, so it's been uh, a really important ministry of, of mine. Um, right now I'm a full-time theology teacher, uh, but this is kind of a ministry on the side for me. Um, and that actually, uh, all of the writing that I had done on the blog, um, I figured, you know, why not um, take this further into a book? Um, so I'm grateful that the time of the release of the book has finally come, and you're all here with me right now. Um, let's take a question from uh, John on Facebook. He asks, uh, is it possible that scrupulosity aids in maintaining a more faithful prayer life? If that is the case, can one regain it after it has been lost thanks to the toils in one's life of faith? Any ideas on how this can be done? Um, this is an interesting question because Ignatius in his spiritual exercises actually talks about scrupulosity. Ignatius was known for having great scruples. Um, there are stories of him going to confession and then he leaves confession, gets absolution, leaves confession, and then finds that uh, he didn't fully confess or he wasn't truly contrite, so he goes back. And the same thing happens over and over again. Um, Ignatius was also uh, had a moment in his life of great asceticism, of putting stones in his uh, his shoes and cut it, and you know, letting his hair grow out and things like that. Um, didn't work for him, um, nor did it work for uh, Siddhartha Buddha, um, which he has a similar story of asceticism. And so, in the spiritual, in the tradition, uh, there's this idea of of a mean or of moderation. And Ignatius, Ignatius in the exercises actually talks about how the evil spirit uses our scruples um, to kind of attack us. The evil spirit doesn't like moderation, right? E either we're too lax in our spiritual life or we're too scrupulous with our prayer life. And I've struggled with that before. I still find myself being scrupulous about, you know, how much time am I setting aside for prayer? Um, am I doing enough of it? Am I being, should I have more formal prayer? Um, that's been a struggle for me. And I think that's for those who are prayers and also those who are spiritual directors, I think it's a common thing to hear people say, I don't pray enough, or should I pray more? Or how do I do it? Uh, I'm so busy. Um, I remember there was a time when I was a Jesuit, I was working at uh, Georgetown Hospital and uh, I have been meeting with a spiritual director, and I was a chaplain, and uh, I found myself concerned about how, how often I was praying or wasn't praying. And, and so I would walk to work in the morning, and I'd listen to some Christian music, kind of got me started for the day, and I did my rounds and met the patients, and I found myself often thinking about, uh, about my patients and what they were going through and uh, just kind of feeling for them. Uh, I would journal at the end of the day, um, kind of reflecting on, on the experiences that I had. And uh, I went to my spiritual director and I, you know, I said, I just don't feel like I've, I've been praying. And uh, he says, well, what have you been doing? And so I told him all the things that, that I, I had been doing and listening to the music and journaling and doing a little bit of spiritual reading and thinking about my patients and everything. And he said, sounds like you're praying quite a lot. And so I realized that uh, I was praying, even though I didn't, even though it wasn't like 
formal prayer. Um, and so I was, I was being scrupulous uh, to the point that I was kind of beating myself up. And St. Ignatius says that that's exactly what the evil spirit tries to do, tries to beat ourselves up. But we have to remind ourselves that the spiritual exercises begins with um, the fact that we're loved by God. Um, so before we even uh, try to recognize our sin and our weaknesses, Ignatius says we first have to recognize that we're loved by God. And that is the truth, you know, the matter of, of the whole thing at the end of the day. Um, so I think, uh, John, um, practically speaking, we can pray for gentleness, which is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. And there's a great article um, online about uh, scruples and Ignatius, and I'll post that later on the Facebook page. Um, all right. Um, now we have a question from David um, from the UK. Um, he says, how, are the, how, are, how do the older methods of mental prayer relate to our current culture? Um, as a spiritual director in the UK, I have found that the spiritual masters, particularly Catholic and Orthodox, carry true value in life. But in, but in relating the value of life to a current society, which seems to value an individualistic-based system, incorporating entertainment rather than suffering, seems to have gaps. How does mental prayer relate to today's lifestyle? And then he asks a second question, how, as a Christian, do we operate in the depths of the spiritual life and relate to others without becoming monastic? So what I think, David, you're asking um, is basically how do we deal with our current individualistic culture who's, uh, you know, focused very much on entertainment? Um, how do we deal with that and still be a, uh, be faithful to prayer and to maybe quiet um you know, you mentioned the sort of suffering, right? We 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 try, we try to fill our voids uh, and empty spaces with entertainment, um, and we do kind of have a fear of suffering. It's interesting. On Sunday, I heard a homily um, where the priest mentioned an author who said that a sign of a secular society is one where people are afraid to talk about death, or I would add suffering. Um, and I think it's very true. We know for many, it's awkward to be at a funeral or to discuss the reality of death. You know, we just don't know what to say. It's sort of awkward. And so I think this speaks a little bit to your point, David. Um, but at the same time, I noticed that people do yearn for quiet and a contemplative place of depth and transcendence. Uh, this weekend, my uh, wife and daughter and I were in Yosemite National Park and had never been there before. And it's just uh, this gorgeous, majestic uh, waterfalls and rock formations. And it's just fantastic. And we watched a video in the uh, film in the, in the visitor center that talked about the great, um, great spirituality of John Muir, who was a important person in, the, in founding the national park system. And, um, that when people come to 
this great place of God's beauty, um, there is there's this feeling of transcendence, um, and that that anyone would would experience or feel. Um, and there's a desire for people to come back to those places over and over again. Um, so I would say that uh, there is that yearning, you know, that there is that desire. Um, and, and even, you know, people, there's some people who would love the idea to spend some time in a monastery. Um, perhaps it's novelty to them, but it's, it's a unique, um, it's a place that's sort of beyond our typical everyday busy lifestyle. Um, so there's a desire, I think. Um, I'm a high school teacher, a theology teacher. Um, in one of my classes, I actually was trying to teach about uh, the value of listening and the value of silence. And uh, I had them, I had my students sit just for a minute in silence uh, to see what it was like for them. Um, and it went pretty well. And, this, and they said, well, let's, let's up it a little bit. Let's do three minutes. So we did three minutes of silence. And so there was actually a desire for that. Uh, and they said, hey, let's try something like that on the retreat that's coming up. So um, even teenagers who are, you know, kind of obsessed with their devices and, and screens and everything, um, have a desire for something uh, transcendent uh, and quiet. Um, but we still, if we're gonna, if we're living in the world, we still have this this place of noise and distraction. And I was asked the other day um, uh, how we can turn off the noise. Um, and and you hear this a lot, you know, people saying, let's turn off the noise in the spiritual life. How do you do that? Well, we can't always escape the noise. You know, sometimes we can turn off the radio in the car, which I'll do once in a while. Um, but if we're in the world and not a monk in a monastery, we have to deal with some of that noise. And so um, my response to a question, this question that someone asked me, how do we... Um, turn off the noise. I said, why don't we listen to the noise? What's the noise telling us? Um, is there, is it a distraction? Um, what's the distraction telling, telling us, right? If we can truly find God in all things, and if, as Ignatius says, the creator communicates directly with the creature, um, and God can use any way to communicate with us uh, through our life and our experience, um, why why can't God use the noise or the seeming distraction? Um, I remember on a retreat uh, a few years ago, uh, I kept having this uh, distractions in my mind and a friend kept popping up in my mind. And uh, uh, I thought like, well, you know, I'm trying to refocus back on my prayer and, and the scripture I was reading. And, um, but what I realized actually was that, you know what, I haven't talked to this friend in a long time maybe God's kind of reminding me or sort of nudging me and saying, hey, you should give this friend a call, or maybe you should pray for her. Um, so sometimes the noise and the distractions are not necessarily bad things. We can make them bad things, um, but we don't have to be um, monastic in order to have a deep spiritual life. Um, we can find it in the everyday, in, in, in whatever circumstance we're in. Um, keep sending your questions in. Um, 
this actually um, reminded me about um, I'm, a, I'm a new parent now, right? I have I have a three month old daughter, and so I've had to I've been much more aware of how do I pray when and I'm on paternity leave now too, so I'm I'm full time stay at home dad at, at the moment. Um, so I'm thinking, how do I pray and stay true to that spiritual life um, with a baby that I'm constantly having to attend to? Um, and this is where Ignatian spirituality is so practical. And what I love about it is that we can, um, I can see God in my daughter and that she can see God in me and that I can bring God to her in a particular way. Uh, just through my love and through my actions and through my care for her. So changing a diaper or feeding her a bottle isn't just changing a diaper and feeding her a bottle. It's a way that I'm allowing God to love her. And I get to be sort of an uh, instrument of God in that particular way. So it takes prayer from, you know, a uh, always having to be formal, um, formulaic, what have you, to just being with someone. Um, and um, my daughter, Eva, also reminds me very much, uh, and this was a question I had, how has becoming a parent changed or impacted the way I encounter God in the ordinary? Uh, she has made me so much more aware of how, uh, how I don't engage my senses in the way that uh, in Ignatian spirituality, you have this thing called the application of the senses, which if you're on an Ignatian retreat, you would pray with a gospel passage, and then you would enter into the passage in your imagination and ask yourself, you know, what would, uh, what would my senses, what are my senses telling me, right? What do I see in this path, in this, uh, in this scene? Um, who is interacting with one another? What do I hear? Um, maybe if, if I'm, you know, at the last supper, I smell the bread baking or, uh, or what's it, what does the wine taste like? Um, where am I sitting on the floor? Um, am I reclining? How does that feel? So you're, you're engaging all of your senses in a particular scripture passage. Um, and when I said earlier about listening to the noise, this is really about engaging our senses and being aware of the world uh, that we live in, uh, because this is the world God created. Here we are. Uh, so, uh, so my daughter, you know, she's constantly engaging her senses because she's discovering her world. So she finds wonder and joy in places I would never think of, think about. Um, you know, she's just like, staring at the at the curtain or um looking at a light bulb um we when we were at yosemite uh we had her there and, and the breeze goes by her face and she sticks out her tongue trying to to uh, taste the breeze um and i thought how cool is this that um this little child three months old has so much wisdom to teach me um, that she's able to truly recognize the wonder of the creation before her. Um, so that, that's definitely, she's definitely changed my um, spiritual life.
Um, and prayer, you know, prayer is ultimately a relationship with God. So the way I can relate to God is also by having a relationship with, with my family. Yeah. Um, so a uh, question here from Kristen on Facebook. How do you determine where you shift your focus in terms of outreach? I find I overextend because I feel God calling me to so many different spots. Um, well, I, I guess I, I would say that that's great that you feel feel God calling you to different places. Um, you know, when in my chapter in the sermon, I talk about this, that sometimes we're um, presented with many, many different choices before us um, and that we genuinely feel called to one thing or the other. So when I was in religious life, I genuinely felt called to both marriage and priesthood. Um, so it's like, how do I, how do I figure that out? Cause I, at, at this time I can't have both. Um, so it, it, the idea is that God, God gives us, presents us with good choices, right? We're choosing between good things. Um, ideally we're not choosing between good and evil, right? We're just choosing between good things. Um, and, one is not necessarily better than the other, right? Each has its own, all the choices before us have good things, right? So if you feel God calling you to do one thing and you feel God calling you to do the other, I don't think God will be upset if you choose one thing over the other because you're, you know, you're not a uh, superwoman. You can't do many things at once necessarily. Um, so for me, uh, th that's actually one of the great learnings of discernment for me is that um, we can choose a go one good over another good and that's good and god god will be pleased so i chose to leave religious life and pursue marriage and that's a good thing you know if i had stayed that could also be a good thing and that could be a good way i would live my life um for me it turns out the, the best way for me to fulfill um my vocation uh is to be a married person um but uh but you know that I think I think what makes decisions hard is that they're um, they're both good, right? Or, or whatever the choice is before you, um, and so it's much harder to choose between. Um, so another question related to discernment, also from another Kristen, is can you talk more about discernment in the context of community? This is actually, um, in, in my chapter on discernment, I talk about four different um, approaches to discernment and decision-making. Um, first is attentiveness and being aware of, you know, your feelings, your emotions in regards to the decision. Um, uh, it's, I also have uh, prayer, right? How do we pray with the decisions before us? Um, and then experimentation, which is sort of, trying on decisions and sort of seeing what they feel like and um, maybe even sort of convincing ourselves we've made one decision or the other and seeing what that's like. And then the fourth uh, thing I mentioned is actually community. Um, because every choice we make um, affects not just ourselves, but the community that we find ourselves in. Um, so when I was discerning marriage, when I was discerning to enter religious life, when I was discerning to move across the country, um, I had these different voices around me from different people, from family, from friends, from others, um, telling me what I should do. 
And at first that was frustrating. Um, but I realized that, you know, you got to pay attention to those voices because your choices affect others. Um, my marriage with my wife, Sarah, affects, will, will, we will affect thousands of people in the course of our life together. Um, and the community that we moved to here in California, um, right? So we have to uh, acknowledge that community that we're a part of, um, especially those people who do know us well um, and can sort of be a helpful voice in making a difficult decision. Um, the other thing is the community that you're in or that you would be serving, uh, depending on, on what it is, um, do they do they need what you have to offer? Um, so you have to kind of think about the community that you would be um, be a part of, um, especially like for me, two years ago, we moved across the country. What are we bringing to the community that we're moving into? Um, how does our move affect the people that we're leaving? Um, uh, so, you know, if you think about um, the movie of Gods and Men, where um, the monks were sort of discerning whether to leave the monastery um, and leave these Muslim uh, neighbors, brothers and sisters behind. Um, you know, they, they, they did this because of violence and everything. They, they did this discernment in the context of community um, because it affected not just themselves, but also their, the people that they were serving in the community. Um, so yeah, that's a good question, Christian. Um, Jared, uh, on Facebook asks, if someone wanted to get started learning about Ignatian spirituality for the first time, what should they read? In, a, in addition to my book, of course. Um, best go-to is um, Jim Martin's Jesuit Guide to Almost Everything. Um, that is a book I go back to over and over um, because it's kind of like, it's kind of Ignatian and Jesuit spirituality in a nutshell, like everything you, you need to know. Um, it's a very accessible read um, and um, it's very practical too. Um, another book I would recommend, um, especially in regards to discernment, is What's Your Decision? Also, extraordinarily practical, gives a lot of great examples of decisions that you might be encountering um, and how you might go, what approaches you might take to make uh, those, make a decision. Um, very, very practical. Um, I'm going to go to um, another question. Um, let's see here. What drew you towards Jesuit and Ignatian spirituality? I would say uh, the practicality of it. Um, the first time I was really introduced to it was when I felt this calling to religious life, and I met with my spiritual director, and he introduced me to Ignatian prayer for the first time. And so it was kind of a, a help in a crisis. Um, not only the practicality, but how uh, this particular kind of spirituality is all about having an intimate personal relationship with the person of Jesus, that you can converse with Jesus in prayer, that you can listen and hear what he has to say, um, and that you can really have a loving relationship. Because um, growing up for me, Jesus, Jesus, God was kind of distant um, in the clouds. You know, I didn't really know what it meant when people talked about having a personal relationship with Christ, I thought it was just sort of 
something people said. Um, but, um, you know, over time, um, I realized that God is more of a friend. Ignatius says that. You can speak to God as you speak to a friend. Um, good question here, and I know I have a couple Disney fans who are um, listening here. Or, uh, how has your love for all things Disney influenced your spiritual life? Um, looking back now, uh, so for those of you who aren't familiar, I, I worked at Walt Disney World um, about 12, 13, 13 years ago, um, part of the college program. I actually did two programs. Uh, so I was working at Walt Disney World twice, um, and it was actually always, always a dream of mine to work there. Uh, when I went with my parents when I was five years old, I said to them, one day I'm going to come back here and work. And so when I saw a sign advertising for this in college, um, I said, wow, this is, a, this is a dream come true. So looking back now, I realized that working at Disney was kind of a spark for me to enter ministry. Um, and I wouldn't have known, I wouldn't have realized that then. I had, I never assumed I would go into ministry at all. Uh, but uh, uh, one, of, one of my programs, I worked in guest relations. So it was always dealing with people directly, um, uh, complaints, praises, you know, different situations. Um, and the most important skill that I had to, to use was, was the skill of listening. Um, and so I really learned, I guess, for the first time, what it meant to listen to someone, to hear where they were, um, and to um, perhaps help them if needed or solve their problem. Um, but the first most important thing was listening to them and seeing them as, as human. Um, and so, and also the, just the joy, um, the joy and imagination that's kind of wrapped up in Disney. And I talk about this in, in my book, in the discernment section, on uh, the idea of a blank page, that Disney Imagineers love this idea of a blank page because there's so much possibility before us. It can be kind of daunting, um, but we just kind of have to start filling the page and kind of just dreaming up our dreams, you know, dreaming along with God um, for our life. And... Uh, one of the most important questions that a spiritual director asked me is, what are your dreams? Um, because that really, it made it less about what is God's will for me and um, more about God wanting to engage me in this process of, uh, of discernment and of figuring out what, where I'm supposed to be and, and what I'm supposed to do. Um, and I've written a couple of blog posts on godandallthings.com about, about Disney and the spiritual life. Um, uh, but it's, it definitely has had an impact on my spiritual life. And it's often, you know, you don't realize the impact things have had until you look back. Um, now looking back, I can see how important that was for me, uh, going into ministry. Um, and speaking about reflection, there was a question about... Um, how I pray the examine, the Ignatian examine prayer or examination of conscience. There are many ways you can do, do this. You can find lots of uh, variations online. Um, and if you're worried about not having enough time for prayer, you know, Ignatius said that if you only prayed one prayer, pray the, pray the examine. 
And so there are five steps to it. There are five parts. And for people who love practical steps, this is a great thing. Um, first, like we did at the beginning of this um, video, is just acknowledging the presence of God, that God's presence is always there. Um, and then reviewing the events of your day, of your last 24 hours or so, um, just sort of walking through them chronologically or just as they arise. Um, these are all places that God can encounter us. And then after reviewing your day, um, kind of paying attention to the feelings that have arisen within you. Um, for most of us, we experience many different emotions and feelings throughout the, throughout the day. Those are things to pay attention to. They're ways that God is sort of reaching out to us and, and communicating. Um, and so just expressing those feelings to God um, and, and maybe asking God, did you feel any of those feelings? When I experienced that, you know, when when that you know friend kind of made that hurtful remark, did you feel heartbroken, like I did? Um, when I saw my daughter sticking her tongue out at the breeze, God, did you feel joyful and uh, did you have a laugh like I did? Um, so it's it's this kind of prayer where um, you're, you're you're looking at your day with God. Um, then. Um, then taking a moment to pray with a particular feature of your day that stands out. I find that when I do a, an exam and a prayer and I'm reviewing my day, there's often kind of one thing I keep going back to. It might be a feeling, it might be an event, an interaction with someone. And so for me, that's an indicator that I want to spend a little bit more time on that. Um, and so I go back to that and I just kind of pray with that more and, you know, ask myself what, what God might be telling me, what might he be telling me through this particular event or feeling. Um, and then after that, at the end of the prayer, uh, the fifth step is what I call manjus, which is a Latin word that means more. And basically, based on my reflection, um, my examine prayer, how do I want to, to move forward? What more uh, do I want to do for God, bring to my life? How is this prayer going to change me? Because Ignatian prayer is about... Um, it's always about our response to God, right? God meets us in prayer. God meets us in the everyday. God meets us in our relationships and in our interactions and in the things that we do and in our work and our jobs and so on. How am I responding to that? Um, and so, and that's, that's the conclusion of the prayer. And it's very simple. Um, I have a, a version of it on, on my website and I actually sell little examine cards you can put in your wallet and it has it. Um, and you do that at the end of the day, you can do that, you know, at lunchtime. Um, it's a, it's a really great thing. Okay. Any more questions? I do have a, a couple more. Um, Dory in Oregon was asking, she says she wants to do the spiritual exercises during July and August when she's off from work but she wants to know where she can find a spiritual director to lead them or a retreat house. <clears throat> um, and she's, she says online would also work work well. There are a few retreat houses uh, in, um, in the United States and North America that do offer the 30 day retreat. Um, and it, it's, uh, so the, the spiritual exercises of St. Ignatius 
is a 30-day retreat, and it's really meant for everyone. It's not, it's not, uh, he, he, he wrote it not to be just for priests or nuns. Um, he created these spiritual exercises to be, uh, to be for anyone who might be at a point in their life where they're wanting to deepen their relationship with God, or they're trying to make a particular decision. Um, so, uh, but, but the thing is, Dory, um, most retreat houses will expect that you have made silent retreats before especially eight-day retreats in the past. Because 30 days is a lot to jump into if you haven't experienced it before. Um, a lot of people are uncomfortable with silence. Um, so 30 days of silence, um, aside from speaking to your spiritual director each day, is his heart. Um, and also prayer can be very exhausting. So these retreat houses, before you apply, they want to make sure that you've done eight-day retreats in the past um, so that would be my first question to you. Um, I can tell you that um, Eastern Point Retreat House in Gloucester, they have a summer um, spiritual exercises that begins at the end of June. That's where I made my 30-day retreat. Beautiful place, and they just did a renovation. Um, the Jesuit Retreat Center in uh, Los Altos, California, also has uh, exercises beginning the middle of June this summer. Uh, Sacred Heart Retreat House in Sedalia, Colorado, also middle of June this summer. Um, I know you were saying July and August, you know, um, but this is middle of June. Uh, and then the Jesuit Center in Guelph, Ontario has a 30-day retreat in October. Um, these are ones that you kind of want to be applying for right away. Uh, but again, if you haven't done eight-day retreats before, that would be, I would say, your focus for this summer. There are a couple of great online options. Um, Creighton University has a 34-week retreat in everyday life. It's based on, it is the exercises pretty much, um, but it takes place over 34 weeks. And there are links and readings and um, audio guidance. Um, so you just Google Creighton 34-week retreat. Um, Another um, sort of abbreviated version of the exercises uh, is through Loyola Press, the Ignatian Prayer Adventure. They also work, walk you through the exercises and, and you know, primary um, elements of that. And you can just Google Ignatian Prayer Adventure. Um, so it's a, it's a great, um, uh, it's a great thing to do. Um, it's hard for people to take 30 days off from work um, so many people will do it either when they're retired or um, they'll do it between jobs. Um, but again, um, if you haven't done an eight-day silent retreat before Ignatian retreat, you should probably do that at a, at a Joshua retreat center, I would recommend. Um, Kimberly asks, what inspired you to write your book? Uh, I mentioned this a little bit at the beginning um, that um, I had blogged, I've, I have blogged for five years on God and all things. Um, and uh, really, the the goal of my ministry here is to share Ignatian spirituality with more people. Um, and I figured a book would be another way to do that. Um, when you write a book, it gets out there and, and a lot more people are uh, get to know about it. Um, Ignatian spirituality has been um, really, really important to my life and changed my life. Um, so, uh, I want to share that with others, right? I actually say to my students, right, well, 
why do why have there been people who have given their lives for Christianity and and gone around the world and because it changed their life and they want to share that with others. Um, am I a martyr? Could I potentially be a martyr for a nation's spirituality? I don't know. Uh, but um, it's that same kind of spirit. I want to share that with more with more people. Um, so uh, the a lot of the content from my blog inspired um, some of the writings in the book. Um, so that was that was one of the, the big inspirations. Um, did writing the book help you develop a greater sense of awareness of the ways you encounter God and God encounters us daily? Um, it certainly did. What, what, the, what writing the book made me realize was that it's still a work in progress for me. Um, you know, I can talk about these things and talk about how great Ignatian spirituality is. Um, but if I don't practice it, what's the point? Um, so I still find myself struggling and I actually have to kind of sometimes reread, um, some things I've written to remind myself that, you know, this is something that is extraordinarily practical and I can do in my everyday life. And now that I have a daughter who, um, who takes a lot of my attention and time, I have to figure out new ways to, uh, engage with God. And the great thing about, uh, about the spiritual life and about God is that, God meets us where we are. Um, God is going to work with us in a particular way now that may not have worked 10 years ago. Um, the way I have prayed uh, has changed over the years. Um, and that's fine. You know, I'm at a different place in my life. Um, so uh, I definitely have gotten a greater sense of ways that I can encounter God. Um, uh, when I was at Yosemite, it's, it's seeing the grandeur of God and creation, right? When I'm in my day-to-day -day life of work and teaching, um, it's in the little ways and in my students. Um, but um, there is no one way to pray. There's not even a thousand ways to pray. There's a, you know, myriad, infinite ways, uh, ways to pray. Um, and, you know, Ignatius always said, you know, do what works. Um, if something is not working, put it aside. And I think that goes back to the question uh, that John asked about scrupulosity, is that um, we need not be scrupulous uh, because that's not how God works. God is going to, uh, God is going to give us room God is going to remind us that God loves us and that um, uh, I don't have to always sit down for an hour and pray with scripture. I could take a five minute walk around the block and just notice God's creation. And that's prayer. I can change my daughter's diaper and that's prayer. I can, um, I can make uh, dinner for my wife and that's prayer. Um, and so any of that kind of gift giving kind of actually talked about that in the book is that um, the way we give God skin, flesh in the world, the way we make God incarnate is through our, our actions and our love. And, uh, and we receive it that way too. So if my wife is making me dinner or a friend gives me a ride, it's Christ who's making me dinner. 
It's Christ who's giving me a ride. These people make God incarnate for me in my life, and I do it for them. And, and so, uh, you know, I try to make the point that we don't find God only in church or only in the Bible. Um, I try to explain that to my students, um, you know, and, and many of us have this sort of childhood understanding of the faith <clears throat> that, oh, we just see God in church on Sunday, and then we leave, and that's it. And then we see God again on Sunday. You know, and growing up, my mother would say to me when I was young, you know, when we go to church, this is where God lives. This is God's house. Um, yes, indeed. Uh, but um, when we leave church, God's also out there out, outside the door. You know, God is, is waiting for us in our workplace or in, you know, uh, at home or in a new place we might move to. Um, God is there. Um, and so, uh, so I think a lot of my own ministry and also Kimberly, the inspiration of writing the book um, was to help uh, bring people to that um, um, more mature adult uh, faith where we can see God elsewhere and that religion and spirituality become more than a set of rules or more than a particular way of prayer worship. Um, that Ignatius in his own life and experience tries to draw us beyond those things um, and kind of brings us down to earth, right? We look for God in the transcendent, but God's also here down to earth. God is is in the messiness of the day to day, um, and so that's kind of kind of been the the um, the blessing of, of writing this book and and the blessing of all the reflection that I've had in the last several years. I think we're about to wrap it up. Um, if there are any more questions, get that in um, soon. Um, so for those of you who haven't yet ordered the book, please do so. You can get it on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Ave Maria Press. Um, it's called God Moments, Unexpected Encounters in the Ordinary. Pretty easy read, pretty accessible. Um, I, have it, uh, I have it right here on my bookshelf right here. Um, and uh, I'm, I'm very grateful. I'd like to extend my thanks to Ave Maria Press for um, allowing me to publish with them and for promoting this event. Um, if you'd like to learn more about Ignatian spirituality, there are so many resources online. Um, I'll give you, my website is godinallthings.com. It's a blog and a podcast. Uh, there's some resources on there about um, Ignatian spirituality in general. Um, you can also visit ignatianresources.com. That is a project of God in all things. Um, we have different resources that you can purchase and download. Um, including the examine cards that I mentioned. Um, uh, IgnatianSpirituality.com, which is run by Loyola Press, is an excellent resource site, lots of uh, videos and, and things to read and so on. So a lot of places. Um, but uh, start with my book. I do recommend that. Uh, but as I say in the introduction of my book, um, Books and, and blogs um, are not the only thing. You have to put that down and go outside your door um, or go into your living room or wherever, and that's where God is going to meet you. Um, 
God is going, God goes beyond um, books and blogs and things. We can read all day, right? But if we don't actually practice it, if we don't actually go out and um, meet the creator in creation, um, then there's something missing. Um, so uh, again, I'm, I'm grateful for everyone um, to join this morning. Um, and I'll just end with one scripture verse that um, has been very important uh, to my own um, spiritual life and the idea of finding God in all things. And it comes from St. Paul's um, letter to the Romans, chapter 1, verse 20. He said, Ever since God created the world, his invisible qualities, both his eternal power and his divine nature, have been clearly seen. They are perceived in the things that God has made. So for me, that just reminds me that I cannot box God in. I cannot confine God to a particular way of prayer, a particular place. Um, God is, is way beyond all of those things. And I can encounter God in the tiniest of places, and I can encounter God in the, in the grand places as well. Um, and even at Disney. And I also encourage you, uh, one of the, those um, commenting today, Kimberly Bouchard, you should check out her um, book on stories about Disney. Um, I'm blanking on the title. I'm sorry, Kimberly. Um, but um, she is going to be publishing soon. So look up Kimberly Bouchard. Um, and she has a book already. She's coming out with a second one. Um, but um, these sort of spiritual stories um, and inspirational stories connected with Disney. So Disney has a, has a big place in my heart. Um, but thank you, uh, everyone. Positively Disney. Thank you, Kimberly. Yes, positively Disney. Um, so I definitely look forward to reading more of, uh, of Kimberly's writing, too. Um, well, God bless you all. And um, uh, please, you can, you can uh, retrieve this video um, after, the, um, after the end of the live event. Please share it. Um, and please um, subscribe to GodInAllThings.com, to the podcast, and get the book. Thanks a lot, and God bless everyone. Well, that's it. You can purchase God Moments at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Ave Maria Press, and other places. If you enjoy this podcast, please write a review for it on iTunes. It makes a difference. Thanks again, and God bless.